Someday, you never know. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 9. I've been in a series this entire Christmas season entitled, What, is, what Christmas is All About. And today I conclude it with, Christmas is all about wonder. Through the whole month of December, as I mentioned, we've shared a journey looking at the animated Christmas special. Thank you. I was having a difficult time seeing my notes. And if I can't see them, we could be here for hours. But we've been looking at this theme by looking at the animated Christmas special, A Charlie Brown Christmas, that first aired 58 years ago on December 9th, 1965. We've looked at the different characters that are in the show and seeing how they fit into how many see Christmas today. We've examined that each one or how they just missed the true meaning of Christmas. We saw beloved Snoopy. For him, Christmas was about the decorations and the lights and being seen from orbit. For Sally, Charlie Brown's little sister, it was about her Christmas list. And as she said, it sounded kind of cute when a little girl says it. All she wants is what she has coming to her. All she wants is her fair share. Something you will allow to be heard from a child. It's a different thing when it's an adult saying it. And then we saw in Lucy how everything for her in Christmas centered on everything must be just right. And it must be perfect. And it must go according to her plan. And she gets the things she wants from her list as well. And the special has a climax when in frustration, Charlie Brown asks, does anybody know what Christmas is all about? And then Linus steps forward with a, with a recitation from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And then declares at the end of his Bible reading, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. But is it? Is that what it's all about? Did Linus get it completely right? Sorry, Linus. But you missed something. Something crucial. Something wonderful. You see, Linus tells us that Christmas is about a baby in a manger. But in the special, he never names the baby. And too many people in our culture today, they see Christmas as just a baby in a manger and a name that doesn't want to be mentioned. Nameless, or more accurately, avoided. Too many people see the nativity scene that happened on Christmas night as when the Christmas story began. But no, the Christmas story began a long time before that night in Bethlehem. In Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, the entire scene happens in fulfillment of a prophecy about the coming Messiah. There were many Old Testament prophets who spoke about the coming one, many who proclaimed the day and the way he would come. But Matthew chose to quote specifically from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, 
Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the first word that was used to describe the name of Jesus is where I'm going to camp out today. Wonderful. Think about that. The name of Jesus is wonderful. And yet in 2023, if we're honest, his name really isn't seen as wonderful. Do people marvel today at the name of the carpenter from Nazareth? More importantly, whether or not our culture or our society marvels at the name of Jesus, does the church today marvel at the name of Jesus? For so many, the name of Jesus is mundane. The name of Jesus is even mediocre. Or more importantly, or sadly, it's a swear word. Next time you're in a department store or a supermarket and you hear someone, usually it'll be in a frustration. And they go, oh, Jesus. Try this. Shout, where? <laughs> They'll probably reply, where what? And you can say, where's Jesus? If you're lucky, they'll just walk away and they won't hit you. So where is the issue? Is the name of Jesus any less wonderful today than it was 2,000 years ago? Jesus is wonderful for so many reasons. The first one is how he came into this world. Jesus was conceived of a virgin. The scriptures are clear about that. Mary was betrothed and yet unmarried. She and Joseph had not consummated their relationship. She makes it clear to the angel Gabriel when he comes that what he is proposing and what he is prophesying to her and saying is going to happen is not possible because she had not yet known a man. Jesus' mother was a young unmarried lady and she was a virgin. But let's be clear, that's who his mother was. Jesus' father was the almighty God of the universe. And admittedly, this is not your everyday occurrence. Now, having a child out of wedlock had it, has its issues today. But let's be honest. It was a whole lot different 2,000 years ago. She was facing not only personal ridicule, but family ridicule and shame. And she was facing the rejection of an entire community and social structure. Then having to explain this to Joseph, who needed his own angel visitation for him to be able to get on, on board with the program. But back in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15, Satan is told that the woman's offspring would defeat him one day. And that offspring, his name is Jesus. Now it's interesting, he's told back in Genesis chapter 3 that it is the woman's offspring that would, that would defeat him. Not the offspring of a man and woman. It is clear it would come from a supernatural occurrence. As I've done various research and done different things that I read throughout this holiday season, it amazes me still how many Christian leaders from different traditions doubt or outright deny the virgin birth. They follow the teachings of Jesus and they will proclaim that living the Christian life according to what the Bible teaches is the best way to live. But when it comes to the miracles, especially the virgin birth, they deny that it happened. But let me be clear. 
about the pastor of Calvary Tabernacle Church of God. Jesus was born of a virgin. That's part of what makes him wonderful. His name is wonderful. He was conceived in a wonderful way by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the way he came into the world was wonderful. Also, Jesus' development was wonderful. Kids, let me help you out here. Jesus grew up. He did not appear on the scene as a fully grown person. If you are here and under the age of 33 years old, Jesus was once your age. He was a teenager one day. I would have loved to have seen that. He did not appear, but as a baby. So he can identify with every single season that we go through, every emotion, every action, every temptation, every feeling. Jesus has been there. The master of the universe reduced himself to be like you and me. Mary changed him. Wouldn't surprise me if the baby Jesus caused a couple of sleepless nights. He was a teenager. He played with other children. I'm quite sure he scraped his knee. He may have then just kind of waved his hand and healed himself, but he still scraped it. The powerful, wonderful realization here is that Jesus didn't just come to die for us. He came to live as one of us. To show us how life can be lived. To show us that we can live a life of hope and that we can live a life of power. And so that when he was fully grown, by showing us the way we can live, he could declare in John chapter 14, verse number 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through me. This leads to something that people deal with a lot today. That's so wonderful about Jesus. His self-awareness. Jesus knew exactly who he was. There's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in his mind. He was not just a great teacher. He was that. He was not just a great moral example. He was that. He was not just a kind, loving, compassionate man. He was that. But I want to proclaim today he was also the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he has no hesitation in declaring that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He did not come to provide us with an option. He did not come to provide us with the best option. He came to earth to provide us with the only option. And that's what makes him wonderful. This leads to another area where he's wonderful, which should be a theme at Christmas time. But it often isn't. His forgiveness is wonderful. Aren't you glad Jesus forgives? You know, many of us know the Lord's Prayer, from, especially as it's portrayed in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. But I want to go to verses 14 and 15 right now. After those words where he provides the Lord's Prayer. In, verses, in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive their men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is a major part of who Jesus is. Therefore, forgiveness is a major part of the Christmas story. 
Jesus talked about forgiveness constantly. Whenever they were healing miracles, they were often linked to forgiveness. Some feel, and I understand the emotions, that being asked to forgive an unjust hurt or abuse is God asking way too much. It's here when they're talked about this, they seem to feel that God doesn't understand. But church, Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to be lied about. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He knows what it's like to be deserted by those who were close to him. Jesus was beaten and whipped and nailed to a cross. And while on that cross, as people shouted and laughed at him, he said those words, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness needs to be part of the Christmas story. If, and if ever there's a time to lay aside the bitterness and the nonsense that so many people have in their hearts, it's at Christmas time. But I can't forgive what that person did to me. You're right. You can. But God's not asking you to forgive someone in your own strength. That's where relationship with Jesus Christ comes in. And then he gives you and I the power to be able to do things that only with his help we can do. Jesus is wonderful. His forgiveness is wonderful. Think about that. He forgives you. He wipes the slate clean. Because of the power that he gives us to forgive and that power that he demonstrated on the cross, Jesus is also wonderful because of the salvation that he brings. Acts chapter 3, verse number 19 says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now I was tempted, but you can thank me later that I resisted temptation. I could camp out on the word refreshing for about another half hour. But it's a side note. Christmas should be a time of refreshing, not the hectic, exhausting thing we've made it in our culture. I'm going to leave that right there. The Christmas story is also about a baby who came to bring salvation to a lost word. What a wonderful promise that your sins and my sins will be blotted out. They'll be wiped away. In God's eyes, they no longer exist. Someone needs to say amen to that. Aren't you glad that... No matter what it is, no matter where you've fallen, no matter what poor choice has come into your life, coming in Jesus, we can have our sins completely turned around. Now, repentance is required, but what a deal. God will remember them no longer. Now, I used to think God will remember my sins no longer. Do you have a problem with memory? I know as I've gotten older, I've experienced that. But this isn't about an inability. This is about a choice. A choice that we as Christians need to model more and more for one another. That when we have someone in our midst that has wronged us, we make the choice to remember it no longer and truly let it wash away. And God says not only will he remember it no longer, he'll never bring it up again. Anyone ever have someone bring up your past? 
I know, it's just me. You've never had anybody here that's ever had that problem. Where they've brought up something from weeks ago, months ago, years ago. It even feels like they've brought something up from before you were born. I mean, I'm in trouble for something that happened before I was born. But God never brings it up again. It's gone. That, my friends, is wonderful. And he will never hold it against you. That is wonderful, and it's offered to everyone. So when I look at the baby in the manger, when I look at the nativity scene, I see all of this. I see wonder. I see what that baby is going to grow up to do, what he's going to provide to humanity. Jesus offers salvation that is complete. He offers salvation that is life-giving. And he offers salvation that is wonderful. This is the wonder of Christmas. Reading again Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There are people in our culture who need to experience this wonder. All they've experienced is difficulty. All they've experienced is pain. Much of it may be because of their own poor choices. In many cases, though, it may be the poor choices of others. But they can, in Jesus, experience wonder. The wonder that we see in a child's eye as they look at the Christmas tree and the presents underneath on Christmas morning. The wonder that you and I experience when we've met that special someone and it just grips all of who we are. The wonder that we have when we truly come to understand what he did for me, how he rescued me, how he made me who I am today. You know, I look at the Christmas season and it just seems that when most adults get to the end of the holidays, they need a vacation. You don't have to say amen. I know it's true. <laughs> that we put so much energy, so much effort into an appearance. So much of who we want it to be. There's this pressure that Christmas needs to heal all of the ills that happen throughout the other 11 months of the year. Only Jesus can do that. And he can do that on the 25th of December or on the 18th of July. I was going to say the 9th of July, but that was when my son and daughter got married, so I didn't want to go over that date. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. If you grew up in the Pentecostal church like I did, you know I'm leading into a song, so stand with me, please.